0: psalm forty two as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, "Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep cools to deepen the roars of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. We're also going to read from Psalm 46, just over the page, and we're going to read verses 1 to 7. God is our refuge and strength, an ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. The psalmist thirsting for streams of water. And
1: in Psalm 46, we have a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Uh, And then in Ezekiel 47, which is our text for tonight, Ezekiel 47 verses 1 to 12, we've got another picture of that same river. Uh, you might know that in Ezekiel 40 to 48, uh, there is a, a massive section on uh, the new temple. Um, the, the whole of that section, the last nine chapters of Ezekiel is devoted to a description of this temple. And chapter 47 is part of that. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me round the outside to the outer gate facing east and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to Eglayim. There will be places for the spreading of nets. The fish will be of many, many kinds, like the fish of the Great Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. The prophet Ezekiel had three visions of God during his uh, prophetic ministry. And it's useful to have these three visions of God in mind as we come to this passage. first vision is... uh, Utterly overwhelming, so that Ezekiel is undone. The second vision is a vision of horror. And the third vision is gloriously comforting. Let's just review those three visions and it will give us the place where we are. Ezekiel's first overwhelming vision of God starts his ministry. You can read it in chapters 1 to 3. It's an amazing vision of the mobile throne of God with four living creatures who are cherubim and wheels uh, covered with eyes that are like wheels intersecting with wheels that don't turn as they move. And above the throne, Ezekiel sees what looks like the figure of a man. And he tells us that this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Well, Ezekiel. Can't he, he has undone by this vision and he falls with his face in the dirt but God raises him up and commissions him for his prophetic ministry. You can find it in chapters 1 to 3. The second vision that Ezekiel has is just as glorious but it is a vision of horror. It is a vision of the glory of God leaving the temple and leaving Jerusalem and disappearing into the east. You can read this vision in chapters 10 and 11. It is a day of Ichabod. The glory of God leaves Israel. God abandons his people in Jerusalem. Now, there's nothing left but for that city to be destroyed. And that's exactly what happens immediately after. In this vision that that Ezekiel sees, burning coals are thrown down on the city from the mobile throne. Jerusalem is so wicked that it's going to be treated like Sodom and Gomorrah. Burning coals are brimstone from heaven. There is no hope for her. Ezekiel's drastic prophecy of judgment and God's abandonment of Jerusalem is too horrible to believe. Except that it comes true, and Jerusalem is destroyed. But Ezekiel has a third vision of God, and this is this comes in chapter forty-three, and it's a gloriously comforting vision. Ezekiel said that this he says in chapter forty-three that this vision is just like the first two. I'll just read from verse three. The vision I saw was like the vision I had. Was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, that's chapters 10 and 11, and like the vision I had seen by the Kibar River, that's chapters 1 to 3. And I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. See how magnificent this is? The Lord will return to his temple. He will return to live with his people. The very essence of Israel's religion is being with God. God dwelling in the midst of Israel. The evil of Israel had created a place where God could not live. They had they'd created a hell on earth. God departed from them, left them to their sins. But now Ezekiel sees God's presence returning to his people. Now there is great hope for the future. The Lord is returning to his temple. So so what does it mean? Well, I think we can very confidently say that the temple described in chapters 40 to 48 of Ezekiel was never actually meant to be built as a physical structure. This is not a blueprint for a builder to build a new temple. Rather, Ezekiel is is seeing, this is is theology in pictures. Ezekiel is pointing not to a literal, physical temple, but a, a, a spiritual temple. God dwelling with his people through Jesus Christ, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel 43, God enters the temple through the east gate. And then in chapter 44, God commands that the gate be closed, permanently closed. God's not going to go anywhere. He's going to live with his people. He's never going to leave them again. And then we can trace this right down through the Bible and see the final result in Revelation 21 where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I heard a a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In the new heavens and the new earth, we will be with God forever, He will be with us forever. So that's, that's the big picture. We are somewhere in that picture. We haven't reached the end yet, have we? But we are, we are somewhere there in that picture, in that big picture. Ezekiel 47 gives us a view of what God is doing right now in the world. So there's this river emerging from the temple. Uh, Ezekiel and his guide walk along the bank, you know, ankle deep, about, about every half kilometer or so, a thousand cubits, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, a river that's wide and deep, too, too great to, to cross even. And then the water drops down through the rough country to the east of Jerusalem and down into the Arabah, which is the rift valley in which the Jordan River flows and it flows into the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea becomes a sea of life with fish and fishermen and trees of life on its banks. This would have really stirred Ezekiel's hearers. You know, the Dead Sea was regarded traditionally as the place of the judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Here is where God threw down brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah. The Dead Sea was the realm of the earth most clearly under God's curse. Here is the place of death. There's actually an ancient map called the Medeba map where uh, you've got a picture of fish swimming down the Jordan and they get close to the Dead Sea and they're horrified and they turn tail and swim back up. They can't, they can't conceive of getting into the Dead Sea. But, now, but now, uh, now the Dead Sea is like the Garden of Paradise. It's like the Garden of Eden. It's the, the place of death becomes the place of life and bliss and healing. The place that fish avoided is now teeming with fish of all kinds. You see, it's a river of life, isn't it? The river is a river of life. Ezekiel saw this river in a vision. And when you look at Revelation 22, the very last chapter of Scripture, it's plain that John also saw this same river. Let me just read from verses 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. See, it's just the same tree. It's the same river. It's the same trees, isn't it? Um, And we can use Revelation 22 to help us understand Ezekiel 47. So let's think about this river under two headings. The first heading is the source of this river. In Ezekiel's vision, the river emerges from the the south side of the the temple, uh, from the altar. It's emerging from the Holy of Holies, the Holy of Holies, the the very inner part of the temple, the place of, of sacrifice, the place of reconciliation. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement to 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 pray for the whole nation, to reconcile Israel to God. The water of life flows from the place of reconciliation and sacrifice where God and people are brought together. From the place of sacrifice and reconciliation flows a stream that brings life wherever it goes. Now, I don't know about you, but I think immediately of the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, the place of reconciliation and sacrifice from which life flows. And I think it's a valid connection to make. But the picture fits in a special way. When Jesus Christ was on earth, he was the new temple. He was the place of fellowship between God and man. He was God with us, Emmanuel. He was God and man in one person. He said that if anyone destroyed this temple, he would raise it up in three days. And he meant his body. While Jesus was on earth, he was this temple pictured in Ezekiel 47 the temple from which the river of life flowed. And so Jesus says to the Samaritan woman at the well, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. At one of the feasts in Jerusalem, Jesus makes the same statement in John 7. Uh, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. When Jesus was on earth, he was the temple, the the, the place of communion between God and God, and men and women and boys and girls. He, and when he hung on the cross, he was the temple of God on the cross. He was bearing the sins of all his people. He was giving himself as a sacrifice to reconcile us to God. And at the moment of his death, What happened to the the curtain in the earthly temple? It was ripped from top to bottom. At the moment of his death, access to God was opened up. Jesus himself is our peace. And now he's risen from the dead. He's on the throne with the Father in heaven and he is still the source of that living water. So the picture in Revelation 22 then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Revelation 21, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The water of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the life-giving, life-changing work of the Holy Spirit still flows from the temple. It flows from our Lord Jesus Christ. And the invitation still goes out. Revelation 22, Let him who who hears say, Come, whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. That's how the Bible ends. Let him take the free gift of the water of life. So, are you going to come to that river? Are you going to drink from it. it, starts off as a trickle, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep then so deep and wide that no one can cross it. God's grace in Christ is long and deep and wide it's a powerful river, it brings life wherever it goes but you've got to come to the river you've got to, you've got to paddle in it and then you've got to uh, wade in it and dive into it and swim in it and drown in it so that you might die and be brought back to life, cleansed by that river. And then the river flows in you. Jesus said, the water I give him will come in him, a spring of life welling up to eternal life. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. The river that flows in you is the work of the Holy Spirit. It becomes your life force So don't just stand on the bank. Don't just let the river, don't don't just watch the river roll past. Don't miss out on this amazing blessing. Trust in Jesus Christ, the source of the river of life. Develop a thirst for God. So we've thought about the source of the river. Let's now think about the increase and the effects of the river. We've seen how the river increases, ankle deep all the way to so deep and wide that you can't cross it. The work of the gospel, as the Holy Spirit takes God's word and changes people's lives, is like that. It continues to grow. The church, when it started, was very small but it has grown to include people from every tribe and language and people and nation. And Christ will continue to gather his church till the end of time. The river gets broader, the river gets deeper. And then it it, it continues to grow in you as an individual as well. Um, the, The work of God, Jesus says it's like a spring that wells up in you to eternal life. Uh, it, it, the work of the Holy Spirit presses on your heart and your mind. It pushes you forward. It's an active principle. It's not just kind of a one-off thing that happens, but it continues to have an effect. And we must thirst for this work of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Remember the the, the Psalm 42. Uh, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. We need to learn how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that passes knowledge. We need to sometimes just be struck, and say with Paul, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Have you had that experience? Don't just paddle in the shallows of this great stream, not realizing how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ. Do you you see the effects of this river? The dead come alive and become fruitful. Where the gospel of Jesus Christ goes, with the power of the Holy Spirit, dead people are given life and bear fruit. Verse, 21, uh, verse 7, 12 of Ezekiel 47. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Doesn't that remind you of Psalm 1? You know, that the man who first who hungers after God's word is like a tree planted by the river which yields its fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. Those trees planted, growing by the side of the river of life, producing fruit, They are the people of God. They are men and women and boys and girls whose lives have been changed. Those trees derive their life from Jesus Christ. Rooted and grafted into him, they become trees of life. let's, Let's just think, just to close, let's just think about those fruit trees. Fruit trees of all kinds grow on both banks of the river. We're like fruit trees. We are, we are meant to bear fruit. These trees, these trees are amazingly fruitful, bearing every month because the water of the river of life flows to them. We're in the world to bear fruit. We are here to bring praise and glory to God. We, we are here to make a difference in the world. The fruit of these trees is to be food and their leaves are for healing. Revelation 22 says that their leaves are for the healing of the nations. We're to bring the healing message of the gospel to the nations. Secondly, there are fruit trees of all kinds. We should expect, we should enjoy the fact that there is a wide diversity of gifts and fruit among us. And the same Spirit is working all of them. We should celebrate that. it's a gift of the the living water that flows from God himself, the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, the fruit trees that grow on the bank of the river are fruitful. Why are they fruitful? They're fruitful because the water of the sanctuary flows to them. We must stay near to the source of life. It's no good planting yourself in the desert and expecting to... Grow fruit, is there? Stay near to God, stay near to the means of grace that He's designed. Don't starve yourself of sustenance by missing out on, on prayer and Bible study and preaching and, and fellowship of God's people. And you know, missing out on these things will make you ultimately will make you fruitless. Ezekiel 47 gives us this magnificent picture. The Lord has returned to his temple. The Lord Jesus Christ has come to make us new. Today, the water of life flows from the throne of God to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the invitation goes out. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Hear the invitation. Drink from this water. Shall we pray? Now, gracious Father in heaven, the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ going out into the world is like a river bringing life wherever it goes. Lord, we thank you for that picture. We, we thank you that this is no ordinary river because it's bringing life to dead people. It testifies to us of your powerful work in Christ Jesus, who died and who rose again so that we might enjoy new life. It testifies to us of the powerful work of your Holy Spirit, bringing life on the basis of what Christ has done. And so we can only praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, And ask that you would continue to pour out the river of blessing upon us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.